0: Hey guys, today we are talking all about how weight loss injections work, especially those ones you've been hearing a lot about lately, like Ozempic, Wigovi, Manjuro, ZepBound. But before I dive in, I need to give you my medical disclaimer. My name is Lori Aikman. I am a nurse practitioner. I practice in the state of Florida, Uh, but this podcast, these YouTube videos, however you're getting this content is for informational purposes only. I am not your nurse practitioner, right? This does not constitute medical advice. So please do seek out your practitioner, your doctor before making any changes to your health, your medications, et cetera. All right. Now that we have that, let's dive in. Welcome to She's Healthy, a podcast for ambitious women on their journey to become the healthiest version of themselves. I'm your host, Lori Aikman. Happy new year, everybody. This is the first podcast that I am recording since the new year in 2024. And so I just want to say happy new year. So I'm the whole month of January. We're going to be talking about weight loss drugs. So, uh, just a little background. I'm if you're new to listening to this podcast, I'm Lori Aikman. I'm a nurse practitioner. I work in both weight loss and in like hormone optimization for women. My passion really is a functional medicine approach. So really looking at the root cause of things, but I consider myself pretty moderate. I, I think that we should use, I'm not all natural approach. I think that drugs deserve, you know, are made for a reason and we can use them. Um, but I'm not a, all, a, let's just throw a pill at it whenever we can look and see a root cause to something. So with this podcast this year in 2024, I'm really excited because I'm just going to deep dive into a lot of medicine, a lot of helping, um, people understand their body, understand what the heck is going on to get some answers. What I find is that in the women that I work with, uh, in my practice, I have a telemedicine practice. The majority of the women I work with, I would say are in their thirties and forties. Sometimes they're younger or older than that. Um, but the majority of the women I work with are in their thirties and forties. They're busy working women and their bodies just don't feel like they used to anymore. They're, they're gaining weight they have no energy, they have new mood swings, they're having hormonal changes. And a lot of times they're going to their doctor, their OBGYN, things like that. And just being told that it's a normal part of getting older or being a mom. And I'm here to say, call bullshit on that. Uh, I'm here to help you understand what the heck is going on in your body uh, so that you can feel really good. And you can feel like yourself again, right? It's, it's, I, I, again, I'm calling bullshit. It's not just a normal part of getting older or being mom to feel like you're living in somebody else's body. So in the month of January, I know many of you might be today is January 8th. As I'm recording this, it's a Monday. So you might be starting your, you know, your new year diet today. You're like, okay, I'm going to get back in the gym, weight loss, is one of the top complaints I hear from women that I work with. And so for the month of January, I'm going to be talking all about weight loss drugs, because let's face it, they are very in the 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 you know the media today, um, things like semaglutide and terzepatide, um, also medications like fentramine, things like that. Those are the three uh, medications that I'm going to talk most about this month, In particular, because those are the medications that I use with my clients, with my patients. They're the medications that I'm most familiar with. Um, And I think they're medications that work really well for people that need them or want to use them. So, and I also see there's a lot, especially with the weight loss drugs, with the semaglutide, which is also ozempic or wagovi, there's many names now, um, or the terzepatide, um, which is Manjuro or now the new uh, branded uh, Zepbound. I find that people are really confused about these there's maybe some stigma around drugs like these. Um, and so I just want to clear up the confusion. I literally, my goal is just to give you the evidence to give you the science so that you can make the best decision for you. Um, and, and maybe, maybe you were thinking it's not an option for you and it is, or, you know, maybe, I don't know anyways, or maybe you can pass this on to somebody, you know, um, so that they can get the help they need. So without further ado, what we're going to talk about today is these weight loss injections, right? We're going to talk about Ozempic, Semaglutide, Wegovi. We're going to talk about Mojuro, Zepbound, Terzepatide. How the heck do these drugs work? Why do these diabetes medications cause people to lose weight? On another, I'm only going to talk today. My goal with these podcasts is to make them like nice and short and you know, you can listen to on your drive. It's not going to be an hour long podcast. Um, so I'm just going to talk about how they work and why they work today. Then in other podcasts moving forward, um, later this week, next week, I'm going to talk about are they really safe? What does the data show? What are the risks of taking them? Um, I'm going to talk about who should take them. Who is a good candidate for those drugs? um, and, and why maybe there are some issues with them. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there. Well, when you stop using it, you're just going to regain the weight. I'm going to talk about what's going on there and maybe how can you use those drugs without regaining the weight. So let's clear up the, you know, the misconceptions. Let's clear the clutter and get down to the facts. All right. I'm going to dive in. So talking about, uh, we're going to start with um, semaglutide, Ozempic, Wagovi, whatever you want to call it. So this, this medication, yes, they started as diabetes medication. So it is a GLP one agonist or analog, whatever you want to call it. Um, it is a diabetes medication. They started as diabetes medications. The first medication I believe was Biata, uh, created in the mid two thousands, which for those of you you guys, I'm going to be 40 this year. And, um, so like when I was like, I'm in two thousands, I was like, Oh God, I was graduating from college then that's literally like 20 years ago. So if you think like, Oh, these drugs haven't, they're so new, they've literally been around like 20 years now. So I believe by was the first of these medications and it was, fun fact is made for the spit of a Gila monster. Saliva from the Gila monster. I was, I think of that because yesterday we were at the zoo with our kids and they have a Gila monster and my son loves to go see it. But what, okay. So what the heck is a GLP one agonist? How does that work? Why, why did they use it for G for diabetes? So when, what, you know, amazing researchers have found now over the years is that when we eat, when we put food into our system, in our gut, there's two hormones. There's a type of hormones that are released. They're called incretin hormones. One is GLP-1. It's a glucagon-like peptide. Uh, one. The other one is GIP, which is oh gosh, I don't have it in front of me, and I'm gonna mess up the. It's ah, uh, gluco Gosh, I have to Google it. Sorry, guys. All right. All right. Sorry about that. I didn't Google it. I looked in my drug reference thing, but it's GIP, which is a glucose dependent insulinotropic polypeptide. Apologize. It's a mouthful. I had to look back at it again. But these are two hormones that are released in the gut in response to when we eat and things that they do is they help to our body to release insulin. Um, which is why their role in insulin is why these medications started to be used as diabetes medications, right? They found, so it's interesting how they found these hormones. This is just sciencey. And I think is cool Is they, they found if they give somebody, you know, sometimes in the hospital, we give people, uh, sugar through the IV, you know, if they're a diabetic, their blood sugar's low, something like that. We give them dextrose through an IV, but then we, um, when somebody eats and takes glucose that way, takes sugar in that way, there's different responses in insulin levels. And so that's how they figured out, well, there's something else going on the, in the gut that causes a different insulin response when we eat versus when we are injected with, uh, glucose. So the GLP ones is where they first started by was that first GLP one. Um, and along the way they found there's been different versions. If you look, there's many, many, oh my gosh, how many GL, GLP ones are there now? I don't know quite a bit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11, Um, when I just look in my Hippocrates, um, and again, these have been around for a while because I remember my grandfather who's passed away now, um, back in the two thousands, he was on Victoza, which is, which is a GLP one, um, agonist. So these medications, the things that they do, uh, so what these, what these do, these agonists, what that means is, is so uh, normally you eat. And this hormone is released. So when you take these medications, they are triggering that that physiologic response that causes that hormone release. So it's it's that's what an agonist does. We have agonists and antagonists. So uh, we would, you know, the other option, I guess, would be to block that function. So the GLP ones make that physiologic process happen. And so I, again, I've got to refer to my notes. So the, the GLP ones stimulate, uh, excuse me, stimulate, this is going to be very sciencey, but when we eat our, our pancreas produces insulin from the beta cells. So one of the functions is that it stimulates insulin release from the beta cells after we eat. It causes insulin secretion. um, and it's also believed to cause some beta cell growth uh, and also b- and possibly regeneration of beta cells. That's really that the research has shown that, you know, over the last twenty years now, and that's why these medications are used in diabetes because just FYI, if you don't realize, so in type 2 diabetes in particular, what happens is that those beta cells stop functioning. Um, in people, and that's why their insulin stops working as well, and sometimes their in their pink pancre- uh, their beta cells stop functioning, and they need insulin. They have to take insulin shots and things like that. So that's why these medications started off as diabetes medications. But what we found is that they also help to people to lose weight. Um, and one of the ways they do, they do that is they do, uh, slow down your digestive function. So you feel fuller. Um, so we're going to delay gastric emptying, which means your stomach doesn't empty as fast. So the food is going to sit on there. You're going to feel full. Okay. Which is going to cause you to not eat. I believe this doesn't, it didn't say it in my drug reference, but I've heard other data that says that they also affect, um, that we have GLP receptors in the brain as well. And so it's not just a stomach function. It's affecting that signal in your brain that says I'm hungry and I need to eat. Okay. So because I will give you spoiler alert, there's other research or there's, they found anecdotally, they've found that as people have taken these things, their other addictive tendencies have improved. People have like Decreased gambling and gave up drugs and alcohol and things like that just from the weight loss. And it's this, you know, the theory is it's this effect on the brain where we feel satisfied and we're not looking, we're not having those cravings and things. So that's how, you know, part of how people have been losing weight with um, semaglutide. So then, okay, semaglutide's working. So what came next is the Majuro and now Zetbound, the Terzepatide. And what that is, it's a GLP-1 and a GIP. So it is, uh, it's acting as, or it's inducing both those incretin hormones. Remember I was saying, so we eat and those incretin hormones are released, you know, through the gut. So this medication you know these medications now the tirzepatide, are causing both those hormones to be released okay so that's why and I'll spoiler alert they I, I I think you know just looking at the data is stronger that the the weight loss is more profound um for the monjuro or the terzepatide or the zepbound, um because it's affecting now both hormones and not just one So the point I wanted to make, so like, I know that's really sciencey, but I just wanted to explain like, okay, what, like, what, why is it making you lose weight? You're like, okay, I have a friend that's on it and she's lost a lot of weight, but what the heck is actually going on? Cause I think there's, I get, they're like, we can get so opinionated. We can hear somebody say, you know, oh, you should, or shouldn't take these medications for some reason. And, um, and then we, we just like, and you know, we just hold on to that. Like, well, so-and-so says I shouldn't take it. Um, you know, or it's bad or, you know, people like, we just have these opinions like, Oh, people should just lose, you know, should exercise and diet. Um, I will spoiler alert exercise and diet doesn't always just do it because there's all these other hormone changes going on in the body that make it really hard for some people to just exercise and diet. So my thought is, I'm kind of like going off on a tangent here. My thought is for the people who need something like this, why don't we let them use it as a tool? I think it's a great tool that can help people really improve their health. Um, But I wanted to clear up again, the confusion, because like I've talked to patients who have come in, like this one woman said to me, I'm not going to take a diabetes medication to lose weight. And there's, there's like some, um, what's the word I want to use? there's like some beliefs i don't know that's not the word i want to use but there's some beliefs behind that like her uh, her belief is that it's a diabetes medication and she doesn't have diabetes her weight has nothing to do with that and so she doesn't need to take diabetes medication to lose weight the point i want to make is that diabetes is not an all or nothing thing there's not it's not like Today, I don't have diabetes and tomorrow I'm going to have diabetes. Like diabetes is a, it's kind of a sliding scale. We think of it, oh, you know, oh, my blood sugar is normal. Well, now my blood sugar is not, but really it's one point different. Like your fasting glucose is 120, but before it was 119. So now you meet criteria for diabetes, but before you didn't. But wouldn't there be okay, but all these, you know, points before leading up to it, you were nearing diabetes, right? It works on a sliding scale. And I, and something that I have to explain to many of my patients is that weight gain is an insulin and a blood sugar problem for a lot of people. A lot of times, right? It's metabolic dysfunction. It means your, yes, your metabolism you think might think my metabolism is slow, um, which there is some other things about metabolic function and how the cells function and the mitochondria. But for many, most people in the United States, let's just say that, or in, you know, um in more industrialized com- uh, uh, countries, I shouldn't say that because there are other countries where they have metabolic dysfunction too, and they're more,, uh, you know, third world. But anyways, the problem is that, Our blood sugars higher than it should be, which causes a release in insulin. So just a little, uh, science review. So when we eat food, eventually the, the food gets broken down into amino protein gets broken down into amino acids, fats get broken down into fatty acids, carbs get broken down into sugars. And for many of us, like a lot of those, um, you know, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, my brain is working faster than my mouth is working right now. So we eat, and we have have we have to get the, all those molecules of food into our cells to be used as energy. And insulin is a release for all food we eat. Even fat causes some insulin release. It's not. It's very little. Um, but but mainly carbs. We're, I think we're more familiar with that when we eat carbs, which get broken down to sugar. That causes a release in insulin, and how much insulin is released is based on how many, uh, you know, how much carbs we eat. Is it a simple sugar or complex carb? But insulin is a hormone that gets released, and I always talk about insulin is like the door that lets the key to the door that opens to cell that opens the cell and lets the sugar get in to be used as fuel. Um, and and. I find in my, many of my patients are again, women in their thirties and forties, I would say not many of them are obese. Some of them might be overweight. They want to lose weight, but I don't have a lot of clients that are obese. Many of my clients are exercising are dieting, you know, they're eating healthy and they actually have higher than optimal blood sugar and insulin levels. And that causes weight gain. So like when I have patients come in and they're like, well, I don't have diabetes I don't want to take a diabetes medication. Well, they're not understanding that they do probably have some metabolic dysfunction. They have some blood sugar and insulin issues that have caused them to gain weight. So yeah, maybe they don't meet criteria for diabetes, but this medication is actually helping the problem that's causing them to gain weight. And if we think about then the other, gosh, the signal in your brain that's telling you I need to eat, I'm hungry. So the the other thing that comes to mind too, is if you look at people in like the biohackers, I always think of like Dave Asprey. He's like the first biohacker that I ever like, I don't know, learned of or whatever, reading his books. So people that are like, I want to live as long as I can. And I want to have the best quality of life for as long as I can, right? They're doing things to optimize their health. They understand how this works. They understand that blood sugar and insulin is a problem. And they, if they use, they could use a medication like this to keep their blood sugar and insulin more regulated, and it's going to help them live longer. So, um, really, and and this is another point I wanted to make is, if you're not sure if you have a blood sugar problem, one, we could look at, we could look at your blood, fasting blood sugar. If you had a fasting blood sugar done, if you had blood work done, right, a fasting blood sugar on most labs, you go to Quest, you go to LabCorp, whatever, um, they're going to tell you that 60 to 100 for a fasting blood sugar is normal. Guess what? 90% of the population falls in that normal category. Do you think 90% of the population is healthy? No. And... From a functional perspective, like I said, in the beginning, I'm passionate about functional medicine. If we start looking at optimal ranges and noticing when we're getting out of that, we can notice when there's a problem starting to happen and we can fix it before it is a problem. But optimal blood sugar or a functional range for a fasting blood sugar is going to be about 95 to, I'm sorry, 75 to 85 so if you have a fasting blood sugar in the nineties, like I see people with that all the time. They're like, Oh, my blood sugar is fine. And they have a fasting blood sugar in the nineties. I'm like, mm, it's really not. You're kind of, you're heading in that direction. And then, so speaking to that, you guys probably, there's probably merit many, many very few, excuse me, people who have had this test done, but you could also check a fasting insulin. Um, but most often that's not checked unless you're working with a provider that is more holistic, progressive, things like that. Or you have a condition where uh insulin would be checked. Maybe you have PCOS, something like that. They may check at insulin level. But the tests that you can do at home to know if you might have some metabolic dysfunction, you might have a problem with your blood sugar and insulin as your waist circumference. So literally get you, you know, a little um a, um, measuring tape, whatever I'm trying to say. So there's something called metabolic syndrome, right? We recognize, um, in patients, if they have high blood sugar, if they have, uh, increased waist circumference, they have high cholesterol levels. So if women have a waist circumference greater than 35 inches, and if men have a waist circumference greater than 40 inches, inches, excuse me, along with some other factors, they meet criteria for metabolic syndrome, which we know that metabolic dysfunction, that's why these biohackers are like, yeah, give me this. I'll take it. Sure. We, you know, people like that understand that metabolic dysfunction is at the root of so many problems not just obesity not just weight gain so these semaglutide has been studied yes for type for diabetes especially type 2 yes for obesity but also things like heart failure. There's a bunch of studies on there that semaglutide improves the ejection fraction in people with heart failure because there's some metabolic dysfunction going on there. Um, It's also being studied with fatty liver disease. It's also being studied with um, things that we call neurodegenerative disease, things like Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease. Because guess what? There's some root cause of metabolic dysfunction. So I've talked about a lot and we're going to break it down even more. I'm I'm like still trying to decide how many episodes I'm just going to do on, on semaglutide and terzepidide. But I just want to start, if you're just listening to this, maybe this will help you, help you kind of just understand these drugs a little bit more and understand what the root cause of a lot of problems are out there. Literally every human being on earth needs to, especially in the society that we live in today, the culture that we live in today, the way we eat, every human on the planet needs improved blood sugar function and insulin function. So these dr- these drugs are awesome. These drugs are amazing for doing just that. But yes, they come with risks. Yes, there's side effects. I'm going to talk about all these on further episodes, but I hope if you liked this episode, um, if you have something you want to hear about, like I've kind of put some stuff on my social media, like, Hey, what questions do you have? Um, I've heard people say, well, so-and-so is taking it and they're having this side effect. Like send me those so that I can talk about the things that you want to hear about. Um, but yes, so the first next couple of weeks, I'll be just talking about the shots. Then I'm going to transition to fentermine, which is another medication that, I've been prescribing for quite a while now in weight loss patients, um, and that is effective and helps a lot of people. Uh, but we're going to kind of break that down because I, yeah, same thing, any drug there's like, there's like, there's just stigma around weight loss drugs, I think too. And I, I want to help clear that up because they're, they really help a lot of people like really improve their health. Um, so anyways, without further ado, I'm going to end it here. Um, I'd love to hear your comments. Find me on Instagram. I'm at Lori Aikman, um, on Instagram, shoot me a DM and I will see you in the next episode. All right. Now you may have listened to this podcast today and thought, okay, well, like what do you do? How can I work with you? So again, my name is Lori Aikman. I am a nurse practitioner. I am launching my telemedicine practice, uh, queen bee medicine, and we should be up and running February 1st. I'm literally just waiting for the business license to go through all the hoops that we have to jump through. So until then, if you want to get on our wait list, I will put it the link below in the show notes. So if you, this is a direct primary care practice, meaning we don't, bill insurance. Um, so you're not limited by, well, is, are we in network or out of network for you? Uh, it is solely a membership based. So our memberships start at $99 a month. So if you are, and guess what? I do prescribe semaglutide and terzepatide and fentramine. So if you are looking for a primary, um, a provider, to help you with weight loss. I'm your girl, but you do have to be at this time. You do have to be in the state of Florida. We will be expanding to other States, but we've got to get, we've got to get Florida handled first. This is where I've practiced my whole career. Um, get that up and running before we then expand to other States. So if you do live in the state of Florida, uh, you don't have to be where I live. You just have to, you know, be located in the state of Florida and um, you want to find out more. I want you to join that waitlist. Go to the link in the show notes uh, to join the waitlist for the practice. Again, the membership starts at $99 a month. Um, so for example, if you want to get on, there's lots of people calling to find out how to get on ZepBound or Wagovi right now. If you come into the practice, so you're gonna pay $99 a month for your visits, and then whatever the cost of the medication is, which is gonna vary based on your insurance, um, if you want to use a compound pharmacy, that's more affordable. Uh, so there are options, but again, I just, uh, encourage you to go ahead and join the waitlist. Um, you'll be on the email list for when we are up and running and we can get you in the door for your first visit. Uh, you will be the first to know when you're on that waitlist. All right. I will see you in the next episode.